Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Hi, world. Yeah, everyone listening around the world right now. This is FI Goes PC, and it's episode 111, which sounds like a dart score if you're really good at darts. It's 111 if you fell asleep on the keyboard and your finger's just on the one. Yeah, it's a good number. I like this number. Anyway, this is us, and as always, I am your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Hale. And uh, I'm sat here wondering if Christmas is going to happen like the majority of the UK right now, because, uh, you know... All our plans going forward um, seem to be taken away at the last opportunity. It's kind of like how we do a lot of things here. We build our expectations up only for them to be crushed. It's kind of the British way. So I think around America, you're excited about Christmas now. You're gearing up for it. You've had your Thanksgiving. Um, You've been thankful for giving. Uh, And now it's the time you take, basically, I think. Isn't Christmas like official take day? You get a Thanksgiving and then a takeaway. And in Japan, if you're listening from Japan, you're ordering your KFC bucket right now. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that's what you're going to do. Um, I could go around the world in every city, and that could be the entire podcast, but I won't. I am joined by our producer, Winifred Saylor. Hello. You could probably hear her. She sounded like a frog because you were taking a sip of tea. You were breaking the illusion of stealth. I was doing it very quietly. You won't hear it. You see, you know how there's often this belief that there's simulation theory, like that we're all part of a video game or basically no. living the matrix. It's a, it's a theory okay. in psychology that life is just a simulation. Right. right? Uh, very niche, you know, which is uh, a bit niche. Is that where niche came from? No. No. Okay, well, should have because it makes sense. But yeah, the, the the basic premise is that we all are living in a simulation Mm -hmm. okay and if we were living in a simulation because reality is simply a construct i didn't go there okay um but if we were living in a simulation i would definitely be tenchu z which is a ninja game on the xbox 360 yeah and if i was you would be like my sidekick Okay. Because all producers, as you know, are sidekicks. We're very good at sidekicks, yes. Yeah, the Robin to the Batman. Mm-hmm. Correct. You are that. And so you would have given our position away by taking a sip before it was ready. So you'd have been walking around with a flask of tea, and every so often you'd take a sip, and it would have alerted the entire universe to our whereabouts. But it's my super juice. I need my tea. You're not really known for your stealth. No, I'm not. Yeah. So I'll tell you who is stealthy. Father Christmas. (laughs) Very stealthy. Yeah. You don't even hear him eating or drinking because some people here in the UK, it's a tradition. I think America shares this in certain states, probably East Coast more than West, but I think West Coast does something similar as well. And that is we leave a little thing for him to have. Glass of milk or... Well, it's usually whiskey whiskey, <laughs> or, you know, like min- mince pies here, but in the US it might be like chocolate or cookies or something. Yeah. Um, you know, because we like to give obese people the opportunity to have 
more beaters. Um, you know, that's just how we roll. Um, you know, we've got this kind of cruelty to us, but I think it's kind of like, you know, it's fun mm. because he obviously goes everywhere simultaneously around the world in seconds. Yeah. And for a big guy, he has very, very light footsteps. You just can't hear him. Yeah. In fact, the only thing you can hear is Rudolph. Can you? Yeah. Cause he's got bowels. <sighs> you see? Yeah. It's a very complicated Christmas story, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But moving away from that, I believe in the anti-Christmas universe. You know, like how Marvel keeps doing all of these cross multiverses and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I believe in the Christmas antiverse. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what that is? What is that? That's when Father Christmas comes down into me and steals everything in your house and then leaves. You mean Father Christmas is simply a burglar? He's a klepto. <laughs> Yeah, it's a better it's a better thing because you see you've had Thanksgiving in America, mm. you know, and you're all thankful. We yeah. haven't had it anywhere else in the world, unless we're American in some part of the world and we have it. Mm-hmm. But let's just say we're in America for this right now for the anti-verse of Christmas or the anti-Christmas verse, <laughs> the <a> song, <laughs> whatever it is. And so you wake up the next day and you got nothing in your house. It's just empty and you have to start again. Wouldn't uh-huh. that be a great tradition? And make you feel but, humble. And then January sales would absolutely mean something because you've got nothing in your house and you have to buy it all again. <laughs> and maybe that's where the January sales items came from mm. is that Father Christmas stole everything, put it into a warehouse, and you go there thinking it's an outlet store, but it's all your stuff. <laughs> you just rebuy everything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to start the new year with the aim of making enough money to buy all your stuff at the end of it because it's going to get stolen. That's again. terrible. It's great. It make people very more um, humble and, and community... Conscious about what they buy because they're going to lose it anyway. Well, I, I was <laughs> recently reading something on the old web of the Inter. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how the police in certain states of the USA aren't going to actually be involved in stopping burglaries anymore or trying to solve them because it's a waste of their effort. What? I think there's a constitution change in some places. I think Texas is one of them, but don't quote me on that. Mm. But um, basically, if you had anti-Christmas, it'd make a lot of sense. Because no one could complain about it. It'd just be tradition. I think it's a great idea. And it has to happen at least once. Not to me. Because <laughs> I'm on the naughty list. And if you're on the naughty list, nothing gets stolen. In fact, you get more stuff. Because it's the anti-Christmas. You see what I'm saying? So he only steals from the people who have been good. Because he knows they can handle it. But if you've been naughty, you get a fine chance. But that's that's like reverse karma. That's not very fair. It's kind of like how a millionaire should give all of their wealth to the poor at Christmas. Because that's a Christmas spirit. Mm. And then they're poor. And then the poor person lives like a millionaire for a year. And then it's it's recycled at the end of it. I'm making this very complicated. Mm. But yeah, wouldn't that be great? No. Okay. Well, if it was anti-Christmas, would it be that Rudolph is Father Christmas so the reindeer comes down and steals everything? No! And that it's humans driving the sleigh? Probably. Oh, the human rights guys (laughs) wouldn't like that. (laughs) Well, you know, it's about time animals took over and made us their slaves, Uh don't you think? Because then you'd have, like, instead of cat cafes, which is springing up, Yeah. yeah, you'd have human cafes instead. Right? So it's mm. like, this is the antiverse of Christmas. It, it affects everything. I don't like this world. It's a great world. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they'll be coming to uh, cinema near you when they run out of ideas in Hollywood, which is currently. Mm. Well, actually, isn't it more like reboots and sequels? Like once you've done all the sequels and the reboots that you really need something. Yeah. Yeah. You've been watching uh, Beastars. I have. That's an anime Speaking show about... animals and yeah. human-like animals. <laughs> it's a good show. It is very good. Netflix uh, animation. Yeah. We saw a lot of advertisement for it in Japan mm-hmm. when we were out there. Uh, won't ruin anything for you, but it's kind of... I, I would put it close to something like Riverdale, oh. where it's like kind of a teen high school drama-y kind of a thing. And I'm loosely doing that because I'm not trying to spoil anything. But every character is kind of like an animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all motion capture. is very cool. I enjoyed it. I'm just going to say that it's very stylistic and it has a lot of depth. One episode, you kind of get the idea of what this world is about. Unlike my anti-Christmas universe. Yeah, I don't get that. No one gets that. <laughs> I just, what I'm trying to do here, because you know like how everything's festive and you get in a festive spirit? We're in a forest. Where it is literally just animals and no one cares about it. So for us, we we don't really have the rug swept from under our feet in expectations in mm-hmm. any sense about partying or gatherings or anything like that because it doesn't change nature. Mm-hmm. You see, that's the smart thing of living in a forest. Just enjoy the winterscape. What? The winterscape. Speaking of which, we might have an Arctic blast. Really? Yeah, over the years. You won't be here. No. It might uh, turn into Scandinavia again. I hear that there's a typhoon heading towards Hong Kong for Christmas, which is a bit strange. Really? Yeah. Just for Christmas? Yeah, like over that sort of like few days, it's going to sort of not go through it, but we're going to Well, this this year, speaking about weather, we, we have talked about all of this in the past, but it has been quite odd. It's been a lot warmer here than mm-hmm. I've ever lived yeah. in December. My daffodils are very confused. So if we do actually get a snowdrift, it's almost like winter's coming a month later than it usually did. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's down to the equator shifting, but hey-ho. We should just push everything by a month, guys. So like January is like the new December. Just push Or everything. invent a 13th month. Mm. You know? Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Isn't that kind of like similar to the daylight saving thing that confuses absolutely everyone on the planet? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because that it's not consistent. Not every country does it. And uh, daylight savings change depending on the country as well. So like the day that we do it here, it's a different day for America. It's a different day for Morocco. It's a different day for whatever. Well, it's it's kind of shifting too because when I was young um like growing up winter would be defined by it getting dark around 2 30 and it'd be pitch black by three o'clock in the afternoon and we're losing that now it's edging towards five o'clock and in the summer we would have sunset around midnight which was quite weird and now it's more like 10 30 so it's kind of becoming a bit more like hollywood or whatever you know like los angeles and i think Everywhere in the world is seeing that. Yeah. They're seeing a difference in sunsets and sunrise at the time. So daylight saving might be obsolete. And then the countries that don't have it currently might need it. Yeah. So it'll all shift. It does make sense that the axis is shifting just very slightly and obviously it's going to have well, it, a major effect. It's a known fact in science that that's happening. Mm. Like the the polar shifts and yeah. stuff. 
inch by inch every sort of massive amount of years, like 10,000 years or something. But I think we're in a time where we're seeing the effect of that. Mm. You know, um, like I said, I've discussed this in the past in principle, but it just feels very apparent like how the weather is this year, especially it might be because everyone's been on a sense of lockdown during the pandemic and stuff. It hasn't really ended for us. Yeah. We're in a forest. Keep saying that. So we're on permanent strange times, but you do notice there's a lot of weirdness. Like summer was very two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off. And this winter has been similar. Like we've had a hot week of about 11 degrees, which is subtropical for England. Mm -hmm. It's usually like minus 16 or something right now in degrees Celsius. Uh, Go figure that out if you're from America and you do Fahrenheit. It's very confusing. But this year has been extremely weird for that and then we get like a week where it's really cold and then maybe a storm will come we had like a few days of snow and then that went a lot of gale force winds Mm -hmm. a lot of really crazy um storms and then it shifts the weather entirely and then we had a snow blast that went and now it looks like we're getting our next one in new year's so it's almost erratic keeps you on your toes well it's just erratic odd winter (laughs) and it might be like this all year we might have like two weeks of hot two weeks of cold snow drifts in september who knows but it's definitely affecting stuff because i was noticing that all of the leaves and the trees took a lot longer to fall this this autumn yeah it's usually done in a in a week or so and it really dragged on to november Mm -hmm. which i've never experienced that Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a weird feeling as well because everything becomes twiggy yeah Yep. If you ever see old school sort of Christmas cards from the UK, like Victorian England, it always encapsulates this kind of city or town scape where everyone's been horse drawn, everyone's got a top hat on, and all of the trees are like twigs. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like a, I guess, like a fog to everything. Yeah, misty. And it's just become that picture this weekend. <laughs> it literally looked like we were back in Victorian England. And uh, we had a surprise guest. We did. We had my youngest cousin, Will, turn up, as promised. Totally dazed and confused, which means he's completed his first semester at university. Yay! And he he did approach us like he'd spent his first year (laughs) at university. Uh, (laughs) Bewildered, shocked. Uh, Tired, hungry. (laughs) Yeah. Dinner. Dinner than we last saw him. And uh, full of culinary expertise, like what can I do with a can of food that's different and tropical? But um, it was good times with him. And we took him around a Christmas market in Birmingham. Yes, that was fun. Which was in full, you know, well, I say full. It's it's a smaller version. It's a Frankfurt market from Germany. It's themed that way. And it's a lot smaller this year because of Brexit. Mm-hmm. And um, COVID, I think. And COVID. And everything else is yeah. <laughs> sort of in the mix. But um, it was, you wouldn't tell. You, like, honestly, you, you go into the city at the moment, at least then, over the weekend, and it was just life as normal. In fact, it was quite crazy how busy it was. Mm. Super packed. That's something that I've noticed. Like, everyone seems to have local news where somewhere else in the world is really bad, but everyone locally is like, oh, everything's pretty much okay. Well, it's, it's, it's a weird detachment because it's almost like we're getting projected all this terror mm-hmm. and grief and 
warnings and stuff, but then you walk out the door. And this is what this last year has particularly been like because we're still in this thing. But it's almost like everyone's reached their limit of being able to cope with just staying inside and stuff. So every time we've gone out, it has been life more or less normal. Mm -hmm. But we stay in quite a lot here. So all of the information we're reading here is very different from the stuff that's happening for everyone else, which makes me feel like we're the only good people that are uh, serving the will of the public left on earth because everyone else is partying. <laughs> God bless them. They should. <laughs> it's just such a crazy time. It's it's hopefully going to end this next year. Yeah. 2021. But Two, I 2022. <clears throat> No, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2022. <laughs> What's up with the 2222s two, 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 and the 11111s? Um, well, anyway. this is episode 111, so maybe it's... By a... the time this airs, yeah. it'll be a week before 2022 anyway. Yeah. Ish. Let's hope that 2022 is nothing like 2022. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely fell asleep. Okay. Yeah, there's too many twos in that <laughs> sentence. Um, but yeah, so New Year's, I predict for everyone that loves my predictions because I'm Mystic Meg, the Danny equivalent. She's a psychic here, an old school psychic that used to give tips on the National Lottery. We used to have a Friday, I think it was Friday, it might have been Saturday, it was a show on television when they drew the numbers and it was a whole big thing when we had a national lottery here for the first time because we never used to have one. Mm. And it was introduced kind of, I want to say early 2000s, it might have even been the late 90s, but they introduced it to the UK. And then they launched it for the first year with this really bad TV show kind of made it like a variety show with a bit of a game show element to it, which was the lottery draws. And she would be on doing predictions, and then it made her a thing. I don't know how often she was right. Not because, very mystic, then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not really sure, but she's actually had a career of doing this stuff subsequently, mm. like a phone line, and it's such a weird time. I think it, the National Lottery started. It must have been the nineties because I would think I was underage when it first came out or mm. just turned 18 because yeah, it makes it'd be me about think 99. of those like uh those hotlines where like you call them and they tell you your fortune on the phone or something well she got that yeah after the career she was like it was like this random person i just picked but right. i think she'd obviously had a career in it and she knew someone that was a producer for tv i don't know but it's this whole thing that happened and of course, like, you know, you're meant to listen to her to get the numbers and stuff like this, which would therefore make it like, you know, wouldn't that be illegal? That's almost like insider information. Yeah. <laughs> insider. That's insider like what Martha trading. Stewart went to jail for. <laughs> no, that was tax evasion. Yeah, uh, it's insider trading. <laughs> okay. It was insider trading. Okay. For, for 100%. Mm. Um, and probably tax evasion and, I don't know. Other things. Like, like someone just didn't like her home. Our Talking. younger audience is like, who's that? Martha Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. people in the US know. It was a big thing. Um, we have Delia Smith, our equivalent Martha Stewart. But it's it's a whole different... This is really another explanation of how we differ from the USA. Martha Stewart had this amazing house in the Hamptons, in, you know, upstate New York kind mm -hmm. of deal. 
she had amazing kind of white picket mansion fence kind of a house. <laughs> and she was like a home cook, but she was also an entrepreneur. And mm. she was very much, dare I say, like the sensible, far more talented Donald Trump that was a female. Mm. Right, right. Okay. So she was like investment involved in everything, became a celebrity, but she did cooking books and stuff like this. Our equivalent Delia Smith. She's probably rich, but by equivalent, she doesn't live in the incredible sort of wealthy area of the world. Yeah. She stayed in the hometown and bought the football club, mm. which is Norwich. Right. So she's the chairman of Norwich Football Club. Okay. So it's almost like the equivalent of if Martha Stewart matched Delia Smith, she'd have bought like New York Giants football club or something. Mm. What a different world that would look like. Yeah. So it's just, it's interesting to me because... One thing I think, and this is just a segue into football, but one thing I think that separates, no one really talks about this, so it's, it's uh, just bear with me, Wynn, because I know you hate football, but just bear with me. I don't hate it. Football, because I'm never going to say the word soccer. Oh, I said it. It's not the same thing. Football, because you're using your foot to kick a ball. Football. Here in the UK, it's kind of, it's not just working class thing. It's every class. It's kind of like... But a working class, you go there like it's a social club, right? And you're you're screaming the loudest and swearing the most and all of this stuff. But if you're in the upper class or the elite, you get a box or you get some kind of VIP treatment. And then the restaurants, usually in the football clubs, if you've got a season ticket and you're kind of highfalutin, do a really good meal for you. Like literally, it's like fine dining and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The equivalent in America, so if you've got the NFL, it's all pretty much working class, but if you can afford a box, it's like a buffet or something. So the equivalent is still kind of that working class environment. And that's one of the biggest differences. So when someone like Delia Smith buys a football club, it seems logical, you know, that a millionaire would buy a football club. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Because in America, it's like super juggernaut money that goes into buying a franchise. And yeah. it's usually a producer or like a television producer that's like Tony Khan comes to mind who owns AEW and he also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and stuff. Or it's Fenway Group who own Liverpool. And, yeah, some you know. kind of conglomerate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like there's a lot of differences in just the aesthetics of it. You know, also the arenas in the USA with NFL are super massive. Like every club is essentially the the team, the franchise is essentially mega Whereas here in the UK, we have like stadiums that are still basically deck chairs <laughs> and a beach. <laughs> Here's looking at you, Brighton. Mm-hmm. I'm only joking. But you know what I mean? It's it's really interesting to see how culturally different it is. And, and also in the UK, it's been going for a couple of hundred years, mm. like solidly. It's just fascinating. Ryan Reynolds and... Rob. Rob McElhenney. McElhenney. Uh, have bought Wrexham Football Club. So Deadpool and Mac from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. For those that don't know. Yes. They've bought a Welsh football team. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welsh. Yeah. Not even London, just in Wales. Mm. A place called Wrexham. Wrexham with a W. Yeah, which is known for in Wales as where you take all your cars for junking. Because I'll wreck some for you. No. 
Pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure that's what it's all about. Yeah, they did. They they actually have a documentary that's um, being made for, I think it's HBO Max, which a lot of stuff is being made for HBO mm. Max, so I'm just going to go for that. It might be Amazon, but I think it's HBO, which is going through the whole story. And there's actually, because um, no one in America is going to know this, but there's actually an equivalent to this. It's already happened before, and that is uh, Gary Neville which I can't believe I just said his name, a Manchester United player, former, who's now a pundit on television in the UK. Him, Paul Scholes, and others bought a non-league team, Mm. very similar to the Wrexham situation. It was, I think it was their old club when they were kids, which they were playing for before they were scouted. I'm not sure, but I saw bits of one episode, and there's only so much Man United I can take before I... uh, need to go to hospital but basically um in their whole situation they did this amazing season by season documentary series mm. and i think that's probably what's going to happen with this ryan reynolds yeah mac from always sunny in philadelphia <laughs> i can't say his surname <laughs> i always trip over it so rob macadamia nut. Uh. um but basically that's pretty amazing yeah it's pretty amazing just because it's so random mm. it's not even a place anyone's heard of anyway it's almost like <laughs> they went to cardiff and took a bus and just <laughs> ended up in wrexham and said oh this is a cool place like you know literally it's north wales so it's freezing cold yeah well, it's it's close to liverpool actually. yeah the the show the documentary is probably Whatever happens to the football club, they've got something out of it. <laughs> it's going to be quite the adventure. What's well, interesting because a lot of um, exposure has been happening in the Premier League in the USA mm-hmm. since when we were there. So around 2013 mm-hmm. and, and onwards. Yeah. There's been a lot of exposure, mostly because of David Beckham turning up at the MLS, the Major League Soccer in the USA. And what's interesting about it is a lot of people, uh, celebrities, are actually really into football now. I mean, LeBron James owns part of Liverpool mm-hmm. Football Club. Right. What that looks like, folks, is he owns a few chairs in the top right of the stadium. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. That's the part he owns. <laughs> and they sell for a lot. But, um, you know, Daniel Craig is an ambassador of the club. There's a lot of celebrities yeah. for our club. There's a lot um, of loyalty. Oasis. Uh, not the place that you find in a desert when you need water <laughs> and it just magically turns up with a genie in a lamp. Not that kind of oasis. Okay. The band oasis. Yeah. Band everywhere they are. They can't play again. Um, Noel Gallagher and his brother Liam are huge Man City supporters. Mm. You know, Man mm. United's attracted a lot of people who don't know better. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of celebrities who just like glory supporting. I bet they're disappointed mm. uh, for the last decade. Um, but anyway... Big clubs attract a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting whenever you watch Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, or uh, other shows in his round world, you always see a Man United top. Mm. And it makes me feel like the producer of the show is a United supporter. Right. Because they make a point of showing you these kids yeah, in United yeah. tops. Never a Liverpool top. There will be some. Mm. Or a Chelsea top or something like this. It's always Man promotion. United. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of like what I was saying is like the amount of people in the USA talking about the culture of it. One huge Liverpool supporter, which kind of surprised me hearing about it, is Will Arnett, mm. a.k.a. Lego Batman, a.k.a. Right. Job from Arrested Development. 
Uh, he's a huge Liverpool supporter. So it's really interesting whenever I hear Americans talking about uh, sport, mm-hmm. you know, especially because well, Will Arnett's Canadian. So his whole thing is ice hockey. And if you take the NHL, the NBA, and the NFL, the US sports, mm. I think the NHL is the most equivalent to our culture of football. Right. Which is surprising because it's emanating from Canada, which was a British colony for five minutes <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, for a while. For a while. They still have our queen on there. Yeah. Uh, they're dollars. still part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. So it's not really. Wealthy anymore mm. of the Commonwealth. I'm not really sure what it is to think. Barbados um, isn't anymore. Yeah, a lot of places. They've are, said bye bye. A lot of places are dropping out. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think it's the fear of Prince Charles taking over. They're just like, well, we're cool with the Queen, but we don't want that <laughs> we don't guy. Don't want him. <laughs> that dude is uh, that dude's a different kind of dude. You know. Yeah. Uh, God bless him. But yeah, so. I like the tactics of football. A lot of my friends just like the kind of social element to it. I'll, I'll talk about Pete. who just gets drunk. Some people, it's their hereditary, like Dave in Liverpool. Yeah, it's like kind a family of, thing. Well, it's like, you know, my dad did it, his dad did it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Everything in school, every sport in school, it centers around football. Mm. You always play it in school, high school, junior school, whatever. But basically for me, it's always been the tactics. I'm like obsessed with tactical play and seeing how that works and i'm just going to bore you all to death but steven gerrard did an interview after playing liverpool coming back to anfield it was a huge thing uh, for the first time he's a legend at our club to the point where you play fifa 22 the video game right Mm -hmm. and it simulates this so when aston villa who steven gerrard manages our local team in birmingham Mm -hmm. right he's there as manager in anfield and everyone's holding pictures of Steven Gerrard, the player for Liverpool, uh, like okay. a black and white sketch <laughs> in the game. And it's it's crazy. It's a yeah. weird thing to live. <laughs> you know, it's all happened so fast for me because it's almost like, you know, we've been doing films and stuff. So our timeline is a bit weird. So I still remember him as a player. And then yeah. he's off to LA yeah. when we've left. It's a very strange thing. But yeah, him turning up in that that environment was really weird to see and i'd be interested to think what a lot of people in the usa took from that if they're diehard liverpool supporters they don't realize the intense rivalries either you know i think it's really interesting because grand theft auto this is (laughs) this is how pop culture works grand theft auto 5 right Mm -hmm. makes a lot of parodies about british football hitting america because when it came out that was happening with the mls yeah you have Vinnie Jones turn up in Hollywood. A lot of former football players were doing stuff. So they make a joke about it. And it's always like, you know, focusing on the yob type stuff where everyone's yelling and swearing and calling the referee sort of expletives, right? <laughs> this kind of thing, which shocks most Americans. Because I think in America, a lot of sports are celebrated from the athleticism of it. Like mm-hmm. we support a team, but not really. We just celebrate the best of the best. So the Super Bowl is a big deal, but the rest of the season isn't, mm. essentially. Yeah. Whereas you live and die by your teams in the UK. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to get a perspective because I'm, I, apart from your cousin who's in Chicago and really gets it, you know, Duncan, how are you doing, dude? Hi, Dunk. Bit of a shout out. 
I've never heard of American really understanding the kind of intensity to the rivalries between somewhere like Man United and Liverpool. And it's it transcends football. It's really a Manchester versus Liverpool city to city war. <laughs> Culture war. Yeah, because <laughs> there's this whole competitive nature. Like Liverpool has the Ducks, the Albert Ducks, which once upon a time in Victorian England was huge because that's the only way you could come into this country and import export. So a lot of Asia turned up there and a lot of Africa and everything like this. And it was this huge hub. And then Manchester tried to kind of leech off it by having mm. their own wharf and hub and stuff like this. And so there's this huge rivalry. If you're on YouTube and you even care about this, it's fascinating. It's actually really entertaining. The club, Liverpool Football Club, did an Us and Them documentary. It's oh. about 40 minutes, an hour long. And it tells you all the history of just that. Cool. So then you've got like Chelsea and Arsenal in London. You know, they've got a massive rivalry. Yeah. Aston Villa and Birmingham City in the Midlands, you know. Even lately, Wolverhampton and Aston Villa mm. have a massive rivalry. So all of these have a real historical significance. It's not just because our team won the Premier League 600 times in a row and yours didn't. And, it, you know, back in the 60s, Liverpool was the biggest club or 70s and 80s, sorry. And then Man United took the throne. It's not that. It's deeper than that. Mm. And it's really fascinating to see local positions and all of these people, third-generation supporters or whatever, talking about it. It's 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 amazing stuff. If you're American and you're listening and you care, check it out. Because um, what I always like about Christmas is you got your families around. Yeah. And it gets competitive <laughs> and everyone hates each other really quickly, you know, in the UK, especially because we all get drunk. Mm -hmm. I don't because mm -hmm. I live exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> I might throw a squirrel <laughs> over a balcony or something. I don't know. No. I haven't figured it out yet. They're so fat now, the squirrels. Massive. They're, Giant. They're practically evolved, <laughs> yeah. you know. But um, yeah, no, the, the whole thing about Christmas, it always starts really pleasant. Right. And then it ends up into sort of like chaos. Mm -hmm. I think it's like a football match. Mm. Basically, it's the same vibe. And it's always freezing cold at football matches. Yeah. Because it's sort of the season ends when it's starting to get nice weather. And it begins when the weather starts turning cold. Because mm. we just like to face our own cruelty here. Whereas, you know, if you're in a lot of American sports, apart from. The NFL, it's all indoors. Mm. Played in arenas. Yeah. Multi-purpose. I think it would be a really interesting thing that... Wouldn't it be interesting for the Super Bowl to actually happen at Christmas? Like, when does it happen now? In the summer? Well, currently the Super Bowl is around February, right? Mm -hmm. It's like Chinese New Year thing. Okay. And uh, it just makes sense. like for Because, you know, Christmas is full of sparks and... A lot of breakups happen. A lot of people get married, and it's kind of like this raw emotional end of the year thing. It's it stems from the Vikings, basically. It's got nothing to do with the religious element of it that subsequently happened. It's more about the winter solstice, mm -hmm. and there's something primal about that where people, you know, get really cold and get really sort of crazy. I think all sports should end. Like the World Cup should always be at Christmas, for example. Mm. So it's ultra competitive and crazy. Because my theory is, because it's always summer for the World Cup, 
or the Olympics or something like this, everyone's out and therefore riots happen and all this kind of craziness happens. But when it's really cold, you don't want to be out. <laughs> so you have to watch it at home and just hate the people you're around. Makes it a lot safer. Mm, it makes sense in like pandemic times, I guess. Be, but well, everyone's on holiday. People want to go travel and usually it's the summer where they get most breaks. Well, everyone's on holiday, right? Yeah. So everyone's got like a two to three week gap before they have to go back to work or school or whatever it is. Yeah, for Christmas it's yeah. two or three weeks. Yeah. So wouldn't you just fill that up with all the ultra competitive sports? Make people go mad. Wouldn't that be a smart idea? I think if you did that, I think there would be less interest in sports because people would be too busy preparing for Christmas. Well, also wouldn't work for the Premier League because the Premier League doesn't have a Super Bowl. It's a tallied by point thing. Mm. So whoever wins it has no real celebration. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's a crazy life. The other thing I've noticed is there's a lack of Christmas movies now. Like when I was a kid, right, you'd always have a Christmas film. I think Home Alone was a Christmas movie because it's set in Christmas. Mm -hmm. It is. You'd also have like a Christmas Carol mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. There, there was something on Netflix. They make an attempt. There's one or two Christmas titles on Netflix. Yeah, and there's they always a few. release a new one around this time and then replay the old ones. Love Actually. But it's way before. Love Actually isn't really a Christmas film. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it should be banned. It's a film that makes me really. Just because you really don't wish, like it. Really wish that I was Mexican <laughs> or something. Any other, any other thing than English. <laughs> Um, well, I'm glad you brought Love Actually up because I hate it. And the reason I hate it is because the producers that made it are the same guys that did stuff like Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm -hmm. Nothing Hill. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just the same rinse, repeat yeah. construct. I know a lot of people like that kind of stuff, but I put it in on par with pantomime and musicals. I just don't like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I like sense to my... It's feel-good fluff. Yeah. I'd rather watch <laughs> Will Ferrell any day of the week, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Just being Will Ferrell. Um, but yeah, like... You can watch Elf, then. <laughs> it's just this, like, lack... Like, what I noticed as well in the USA, there's quite um, a tradition mm -hmm. uh, in, in the West Coast, in, in my experience anyway, where a lot of people go to the cinema on the equivalent of Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. Right. Or they'll go on Christmas Day and they'll open all the gifts up on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day becomes a, let's go out and see a film. Like an event. Yeah. Yeah. Because films, movies in the USA, this is a huge cultural difference. Here in the UK, films, classically at the cinema, was like almost playing ping pong or pool at mm. a pub. It's just a thing you did. Yeah. You know, it's just, I feel like going and watching a film. It's either because you really want to see it or it's because it's a date or it's a group of mates or you're at film school and you have to go and watch stuff at the cinema <laughs> to study it. But in America, it's kind of like almost going to the theater. Yeah, yeah. It's a big thing. It's a big deal. It's kind of like you'll come out of a cinema in the USA and everyone's talking about a film they just watched and analyzing it or saying what they Sometimes think. Sometimes they applaud as well. Yeah, it, when, whilst you're watching it, yeah. it's very interactive. <laughs> Everyone's jumping or going, oh my Depending god, or, or film, whatever. It's yeah. it's entertaining just to be in the cinema. It's a very different vibe. So on Christmas Day, people go to watch a movie. Mm. 
because it's a big thing. In fact, I think it was a point in um, a Will Fowl movie, actually. Is it Daddy's Home, Mark Wahlberg? Maybe. I think it is. Uh, it's the sequel to it, and it ends up on Christmas, and they've gone to see a movie right. with all their in-laws and stuff. Right, 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 right. So it is definitely a thing, and the Christmas movies don't exist. So they're always watching stuff that's sort of like a horror film or <laughs> an action movie or a comedy or something like this. Well, they do, but I don't think it's... like Maybe it's like one or two. It's always... But they're not always great. No, it's always... No, because you haven't done this. It's always a family film. Yeah. Like an animation. Mm-hmm. Or it's always some kind of horror film or an action thing. A lot of horrors releasing. A lot of dark cinemas releasing around Christmas now. Mm. I don't know why. It's a very weird thing that we're living in this world right now. Well, there's a lot of uh, listings on Netflix from previous years, like Christmas movies, but they're, they all tend to be like, well, again, family-friendly, sort of princess-prince-related castle-traveling stories, storylines. There's no what I would Not call... Great. There's Christmas-themed stuff that you can do, like Bad Santa or anything about Father Christmas or something like this. You can do that. Yeah. Christmas Carol or whatever. The old school one, you know? But you've got nothing like Home Alone was a Christmas movie in the sense that it's contemporary and it was modern. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of just New York at Christmas, which New York at Christmas, Manhattan, has a very similar vibe to London. Mm. It's an incredible place to be at Christmas. You know, a lot yeah. of effort, a lot of old school stuff, a lot of Victorian throwback, roasting chestnuts, all this kind of stuff. Atmospheric. Very much so. Yeah. They're the two cities in the world that. You know how everyone says these are the 50 books you got to read before you die? Mm. Going to New York and London for Christmas. For Christmas, at least once in your life, is it guaranteed you got to do it? Right. That's what I think. The Mm. the atmosphere in both of those places is insane. York as well. Old York. Classic York. (laughs) York classic. Not Diet York, not York Light, not York Zero, but York. I think that would be incredible for Christmas. It'd be like you're in Harry Potter. Well, I recently watched a Christmas film called Last Christmas, and that was, I was expecting it to be like so-so. I enjoyed it more well, than I thought I would. You were watching it, mm. right? And I'm not going to ruin this for anyone, but it's named after the George Michael song. Yes, I know. But then taken literally, <laughs> right? No, 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 because a lot of people don't care about lyrics, but it's a bit detective work. So if you do... I've spoiled it for you, mm. but it's a bit of a riddle. Mm. Call me the Riddler, Mm-mm. all right? The Riddly Diddler. I'm not going to get... If I was called the Riddler, I'd be an infringement from the Batman guys and they'd accuse me of stealing IP. So I'm the Riddler Diddler, which is the Cockney version, you know? And uh, the Riddler Diddler says it's uh, it's literally... It's like you're in a sort of writing room mm-hmm. and you, you're like tasked... The studio tasks you with the... Uh, it's a one-line pitch. You've got to do a Christmas movie, but we want a bit of depth to this one. We want to make it like a little bit dramatic, like a rum drama D, if that's a thing. <laughs> it's got to have light moments, but it's also got to hit home because people don't just want light Christmas. They want Donna. See, like and Charles need- Dickens got it right. And so (laughs) we've got to match that kind of thing for the modern audience. We also want an international audience, so we have to put Michelle Yeoh in it. Well, no, we're coming off the Rich Asians film, and 
crazy occasions. That's a precursor because she's a friend of our producer. So the writers go to the writing room with all of these heavy kind of things. This is how I feel film is going. It's kind of becoming a TV writing opportunity, you know, where you've got a yeah. board of writers and everyone's trying these to figure it out. These are the bullet points. Right. So then someone's going to have an idea, well, how do we make all of this work? And then they press the radio <laughs> on for inspiration. George Michael comes on and that's your story. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's becoming that sad. What I was trying to say is like Home Alone is actually a film that could take place any moment of the year, mm-hmm. but it just happened to be at Christmas, it's which so made, made the impact heavier. Yeah. They've actually remade it. What? And if you're thinking I'm talking, if you're young and listening and you're thinking I'm talking about a remake, I'm not because I'd never watch it. The Macaulay Culkin original, uh-huh. right? Yep. Uh, one. Classic. There's also sequels. Yeah. Not so great. It's still but The funny. first one, the <laughs> first one is what I would call the Christmas movie of that, that generation. And there's been nothing like that. Everything has to feature Father Christmas or some kind of thing or whatever. I feel like last Christmas from the tiny trailer that I watched on Netflix was basically an attempt to do a serious version of Love Actually. It's that kind of thing again. Mm, yeah. Not my bag. I also like the kind of idea, because um, I'm not sure if you know about DuckTales, but it was an old Disney thing that they're still making. I think they've recasted it and they're yeah, doing a modern it. version of it. Scrooge McDuck, there was a mm-hmm. huge Mickey Mouse Scrooge McDuck Christmas Carol film when I was a kid. Yeah. And that yeah. was incredible, like an animation, you know, where Mickey Mouse was Tiny Tim and stuff. All of that kind of, it's just gone. You know, the snowman, that's a classic. Yeah, that's see, that had to come from England. The Charlie Brown Christmas film is good. We've only got a few animations that stem from England, mm. very few that, yeah. that are globally conquering. I'm talking movies, we've got a lot of series, we don't want to talk about them, they're kids' shows, right? But we had the snowman, mm-hmm. um, and we also had Watership Down, mm-hmm. both of which steal all hope of life away from you. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they both leave you, your soul gnawed and ragged. Yeah. Which is our thing. I see? recently read the book Watership Down, and that was not what I expected. For a children's story, it's quite harrowing. It's also interesting to point out when it was written, mm-hmm. because it's quite a while ago. Yeah. Right? And we have this really sort of intellectual novelization of stuff. Like if you think about the kids' books that are currently out today and how they talk to a person reading it, Mm -hmm. it seems linked to modern times. It seems correct. It seems apt, right? But Watership Down, even now, is pretty sophisticated. It is. It really is. It is. As as far as language and stuff, mm-hmm. but the, the you also see the deep seated what it's like to be English. See, everything in America has a happy ending. Essentially, you take love. Actually, is a good example of this. It's English constructing some with American money, so mm. it has to have a happy ending. Yeah, but there's a bit of doom and gloom. <laughs> Just a bit. Which is exactly <laughs> the same as Four Weddings and Funeral. Has to have a happy ending, but there's got to be doom and gloom in it. There's got to be sort of sobering moments, mm. right? Because otherwise we'd never accept it in England, right? That's so unrealistic. I'd say Britain, but the Scottish never watch our stuff, and nor <laughs> should they. They've got their own things, and it's a lot more disturbing. 
fair play to him. <laughs> but basically, like the snowman in mm-hmm. Scotland, right? It's it's a similar thing. They wrote their own version because, like, you know, every nation's got its own cinema, right? And Scotland's got it's really known for its brilliant cinema, like Train Spotting. <laughs> train Spotting was a British documentary about train spotting. Literally, there's <laughs> a train. At, watching trains, there's yeah. There's a train. Oh, look, there's a train, right? But when it got to Scotland, <laughs> oh, it transcended and became something totally different. Have you seen the book? Like the way the book is written is just like yeah, it's written like a Scottish a person Scottish talking person to speaking, Irving yeah, Welsh. Yeah, crazy, one crazy of the language. most famous Scottish writers of all time. Yeah, um, but the Snowman, very short in Scotland because mm. they ran out of budget because they used it for beer and what pub snacks. Yeah, <laughs> they <laughs> they were given a budget. And they didn't use it all no, uh, for the actual production. So the actual snowman story is, it's different, right? Because in the sensibility of the UK one, the English child befriends the snowman. They go on a magical tour. It's a bit like uh, Aladdin. Yeah. You know, they go they on a whole new world magic carpet yeah. ride kind of a deal. Explore. But in Scotland, someone built the snowman. The kid sees it, picks up a massive plank of wood and smashes it to pieces and starts laughing and that's the whole thing that's it oh no yeah it's a terrible short film yeah it's just it and then you just heard two hours after that of people laughing whilst getting drunk because they used all the budget on a party you see (laughs) um so everyone's got their own interpretation of stuff right Mm -hmm. so anyway yeah that's the difference because all american stuff it's never that tragic you know like home alone isn't tragic in any sense it's every kid's dream yeah you know i wish my family would leave me alone so i could make the entire house a booby trap you know <laughs> it's that it's that kind of thing but you know it's just this sobering thing that we have in the uk where we always kind of make you go hmm pull after. you back down to earth well the snowman's uh it, the snowman's almost every british person's outlook on life mm. You know, it starts off innocent, then it becomes magical, and then by the end of it, it's just destructive <laughs> on your soul, you know? <laughs> Watership Down, uh, if anyone's listening in America right now, I think it's one of these things that are forgotten, but I would put it up there in importance with Shakespeare and other things that you've definitely heard as our English exports. I think it's a really timeless and extremely thought-provoking case on uh cruelty and and life it's really em- empowering stuff it's very dark they actually did an animation they've redone one they've done one way more recently i think that was a netflix project i haven't seen the animation i just read the, the original book. animation was like 70s mm. when a book came out and i recall it being played around christmas when i was really young and I think it's one of these films that you watch and it stays with you. Yeah. And I'm I'm from farmland here. I was raised in a barn um, <laughs> that no one wanted to go near uh, with big warning signs outside it saying, uh, beware of the kid. You know, like you got beware of the dog signs yeah. in front of your house, beware of the kid. And so I really related to it, you know. Uh, in fact, I think I knew some of the rabbits. Well, the dedication in the book actually mentions the roads along Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah, so no, just it's... Down well, the road from where you are. The Midlands in the UK, for you listening around the world, um, is an incredibly important place in the UK because so many things emanated from here. Uh, me, 
for one. <laughs> I was going to say uh, Shakespeare. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's close. <laughs> he's he, he did a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. I Tolkien. Just, uh, the Tolkien. Yeah, he he um, based Lord of the Rings on the Midlands. So he grew up actually, in Birmingham. There's actually parts of Birmingham and the Midlands that are actually icons that he based on the icons in Lord of the Rings. Yep, Which, yep, as yep. you all know, is just the guy that had all the rings and he was a lord of them. <laughs> um, it's a strange book. There are all these walks and stuff that you could do, like well, Tolkien fans. It's really intriguing to me because there's so many things that came out of this area, especially this area, that are so globally known, and yet no one really knows that when they're in this area. Mm-hmm. And it's also one of these weird things because obviously Liverpool has a lot of Beatles history yeah. and that's huge in modern terms. But Black Sabbath and heavy metal came from Birmingham. These here it was, parts. It was sort of invented here. Led Zeppelin, uh, the majority of them were in the Midlands based. John Bonham was from my hometown of Redditch, the drummer, one mm. of the best drummers, if not the best drummer of all time. Uh, Robert Plant, who's still with us and, and doing awesome stuff and strong. Uh, he particularly makes me think of Christmas because I met him at Christmas. Mm. I, at I, a Christmas party? I robbed his house. <laughs> um, I didn't. He walked past my barn, which he wasn't meant to because it had signs saying don't. No, Robert Plant uh, popped into a pub once when I was playing acoustic sets, long story. Mm. Um but he's from Kidderminster, mm-hmm. you see, mm-hmm. which is named because we used to do practical jokes on priests. What? Yeah, Kidderminster. That's kid, right. Kid your minister. Kid, 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 kid your minister. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a famous area for stuff. A lot of authors from this area, a lot of creativity from this area. I think it's because you have so much creativity in a place like London because the city is so... It's like the original metropolis, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like it too. It's all falling apart. <laughs> I mean, they just built a huge high rise in London a couple of decades ago, and you know, as soon as they built it, half of it fell down, and all that's left is a shard. So, a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these places are not known about in the UK. But um, the Midlands is important. York is important. I did mention that earlier, and of course, if you are in Liverpool and you're checking out the beetles. Uh, they walk across the road quite a lot. They're only insects. Don't get too excited. You can Don't take step a, on them. <laughs> you can take a ferry, and you can go to Ireland, which I recommend everyone does, Republic of Ireland. It's one of the best places in the world. Mm. It really is. So there you go. I've just given tour advice for the future of travel. Hopefully we'll be able to do that in 2022. Yeah. I think it'll be over, folks. I think all of our New Year's resolution will be that this will be over. <laughs> yeah, we'll just make it over by having that resolution. But we will be back. It will be, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I will be back. You will not be back for a while. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens. We might have on-the-road conversations with you. Maybe. Which will be literally you on a road somewhere in Asia. I'm in the middle of a road. <laughs> you shouldn't be in the middle of the road. That's bad advice to anyone listening. But you will be on the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. on a horse on the road. Maybe on a car on a road. Maybe on a bus on a road. But you'll be on a road, right? Okay. Because that's all you're going to do when you go to Hong Kong is go on roads. After 21 days of quarantine, yeah. 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 That sounds like fun. <laughs> 
happy, happy times. So what we'll say is this has been kind of a festive conversation. Somewhat. In, in a way, you've learned things. You're ignoring a lot of things that you might have learned and you wish that we hadn't talked about quite a lot of things and therefore you didn't want to ever learn them. But that's what podcasts are like. So I'll be back at some point. I don't know when. It might be two weeks. It might be less. It might be three weeks. It might be four. I don't know. I've got to see what my schedule looks like. No promises. Uh, And of course, if I can actually talk like a person. Or if I haven't gone completely crazy. Because the thing about when you go is I'll be uncensored. And I'm not sure what that looks like. Yeah. 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 I might go back to my barn for old time's sake. (laughs) Who knows? (laughs) But you will be away and everyone else around the world will have done Christmas. That will have been done by the time we're back. And New Year's will be done Mm -hmm. by the time we're back. Mm -hmm. But on a sensible note, I will be back in a few weeks. I'm keeping this going. And uh, I'll be talking to myself, maybe some guests. I don't know. But that's why it's riveting. Merry Christmas for now. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Is that how you say it? Hanukkah. Who's that? (laughs) (laughs) And all of everyone's beliefs and faiths and traditions around the world. Happy winter solstice. Yeah. Happy Viking festival, winter solstice. Happy New Year. Pagan retreats or... Whatever the hell it is. Uh, happy, happy almost end of pandemic. Happy 2022, which is the chapter of modern era that we call a new year. But realistically, it's more around the 666 million and change of how long we've been on Earth. And I will leave you on this note. Recently in the Cotswolds, a mammoth was found. Yes, the bones, <laughs> the bones of mammoths. No, just the mammoth. No, the mammoth not, was walking around. <laughs> it was. Uh, they thought it was a hill yeah, for so years. They guys, thought it was a hill. You guys had mammoths around these. They here live a long parts. time, mammoths. They live at least a couple of million years, and uh, for many moons, we thought it was part of the Cotswold Hills. It's a region that's very hilly in the UK. Mm, beautiful. But it turned out that it was actually a mammoth. Pile of bones. No, it wasn't. It was an actual mammoth. Oh, okay. Yeah, the bones that they found was what it ate that day, uh, uh, uh. which was a number, a number. It was another mammoth. Yeah. What? And the mammoth ate the other mammoth. Oh, no. Because the other mammoth was Kentucky Fried <laughs> and in a very big bucket. This is all local lore. See, Americans think that they're cool because they've got Bigfoot, but they don't have a mammoth. We have a mammoth. I think it's just a really large lad (laughs) that lives there. No, they found bones in the Cotswolds. Yes. David Attenborough didn't find them, uh, but he commented on them. It's changed a lot of what we believe about what was here as well, you know? Always finding out something new. Maybe that's the secret of Stonehenge, folks. You know? Built by mammoths. (laughs) You know? It's a mammoth task. So uh, on that note, we'll be back when we're back. But I'll be back very soon. In the meantime, happy seasonal greetings. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in 2022. Take care, everyone.